It's now time for your Election Crimes Bulletin with Greg Palast. Greg, welcome back to Flashpoints. It looks like there was a, a bit of a settlement in the uh, Fox News case, but it's not all that it seems to be. And why don't you just boil it down? Give us an overview. What, what was at stake? What exactly was settled today? Because okay, I'm not so, sure I understand. So Dominion Voting Systems, which uh, provides computer-assisted voting around America and paper ballot voting, printed ballot voting, etc., uh, was accused of stealing the election by Donald Trump, Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, two of Trump's now disbarred lawyers, and uh, Lou Dobbs and others on Fox. Uh, of course, Tucker Carlson and the rest of the gang kind of uh, provided platforms for these people. So Dominion said, look, you know, this is destroying our business. I mean, it, can you imagine any red state hiring a company that's been accused by uh, Donald Trump of uh, flipping the votes on elections, you know, that, that their computers flipped the votes and uh, didn't properly tabulate the votes, et cetera. Uh, and they did this, by the way. Interestingly, one of the accusations thrown out is that they did this on behalf of Hugo Chavez, that they were a Venezuelan company and that Hugo Chavez uh, was stealing the vote against Trump. Well, uh, I knew Mr. Uh, President Chavez. Uh, he passed away, and while I have no direct contact with him anymore, uh, uh, apparently he did not take part in, in manipulating this election from heaven. So what happened is that uh, um, Dominion sued for $1.5 billion, and Fox settled pretty much for what they asked for in, in the world of law, uh, over three-quarters of a billion-dollar cash payment. That's a lot of money. And a retraction. Yeah, it's the money in my neighborhood. And a retraction uh, of their uh, statements. Or, uh, they said it in a kind of polite manner. They said, because the court had already ruled that Fox lied. They couldn't go into court and say, well, we, you know, there might be some truth to these statements. Uh, the judge had already pre-ruled before the trial that these were lies. They had Now, why was there even going to be a trial? Because we have something in America called the First Amendment. And I was a bit worried about this case creating some bad law. You know, there's an old rule in law, bad cases make bad law. And you don't want, you don't really want to start creating more and more exceptions to the First Amendment. This was egregious. And for to win a defamation case, if you are a public figure, the claims made against you can't just be false. They have to be malicious. That is, they have to know that what they were saying was false. And because of the internal memos, hosts like Tucker Carlson were saying, if you, uh, and I read these memos, you know, this is baloney. We know this. And Murdoch and his, and uh, was saying, and his executives are saying, yeah, but if we don't repeat Trump's lies, we're going to lose our audience. So we have no choice. So they literally, for the purpose of maintaining ratings, they pervade these malicious lies, which, of course, can be quite ruinous to Dominion. So I'm glad the case settled because the First Amendment uh, uh, issues aren't touched, which is good. And Dominion got you know, a big chunk of money, probably as much as they easily as much as they've lost. So they came out whole and they got the apologies. But, you know, let's face it, they're still going to have a tough time. Now, I want to bring up another company. There's a second company, Smartmatic. Smartmatic was indeed, was indeed uh, launched by Hugo Chavez from Venezuela. And I should mention, 
full disclosure, he did so at my suggestion. When I met with uh, President Chavez back in 2002 and 2003, I I suggested that he have a voting machine company that could help everyone in the world, including Venezuela, so that uh, to avoid accusations that he's stealing elections and to make sure that elections do not get stolen in the U.S., uh, come up with a, you know, support, find a a company that can do where you have touchscreen voting, that is, you pick your candidates on a screen, but it actually prints a ballot. And then you can stick that ballot into a locked box. So you have now a checkable system, a double voting system where it's on the computer, but you can also crack open the boxes and count the physical ballots. It's also very good because the Smartmatic machines, which, by the way, are only used in Los Angeles, in, in, in the United States, only L.A., um, they have the advantage that you can't make a mistake. We have... 1.9 million ballots were thrown out in 2016. I don't have the 2020 numbers yet, but it's a little less. But uh, 1.9 million ballots were lost because they were supposedly unreadable. And by the way, Dennis, this is an odd thing. I'm sure it's a coincidence, but almost all those 2 million ballots that were thrown out as uncountable or otherwise spoiled, had a wrong crease, a wrong mark, uh, almost all those were um, in from minority precincts. That's hmm. how ballots are stolen. So now Smartmatic is moving in to sue because they were accused of stealing the election. Somehow, even though the only place where their machines were used it was uh, in Los Angeles, where uh, they've done a great job of replacing the crappy uh, punch cards that we had before. With the paper ballot, and of course that is, uh, in this context, at this time in history, the paper ballot is really the gold standard. Uh, in terms of well, backup, I like to have right? the, the best. The gold standard really is, I think, Smartmatic. The, the Hugo Chavez's machine. I'm sorry, I'm 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 prejudiced towards it, maybe because I have something to do with it. But it prints the ballot in a way so you have a physical printed ballot. By the way, in Los Angeles, there is no tabulation on the Smartmatic machine at all. All it does is print you a clean ballot, which you can review, make sure that there's no errors on it, then you stick it in the box, and that is. So you, it is a paper ballot, but it's printed in a way that they can't disqualify it. You cannot make an error on a Smartmatic ballot. You can't, for example, accidentally vote twice. And, and that's very, very important because I think that there's a real misunderstanding about how computers and computer tabulators and scanners manipulate elections. And it is not. It is not some guy in a cave. Forget the Hollywood stuff, like uh, Santiago Juarez, the great voting rights attorney, has said. Forget the Hollywood stuff that some guy in a cave flips your vote. Oh, you voted for Hillary Clinton, I'm going to change that to Trump. You voted for Biden, I changed it to Trump, etc. Or as Trump imagines it, I voted for Trump and they changed it to Biden. That doesn't happen. I've been in this vote investigation for 20 years, and this whole concept of hacking the software, of hacking computer voters, I have not yet found one single verifiable instance of votes being flipped. And I know that there's a lot of listeners who've been hearing, even on this station, because Trump's claim, and I'm very concerned about this, didn't originate on the right, it originated on the left, with, you know, because there was good reason 
to suspect these voting machines where there's no paper backup like in Pennsylvania in 2016. So you have a, there's a good reason to be suspect, uh, suspicious of these machines. They're like any computer software. They're vulnerable to attacks and hacks. But now that's gone. There's no place where we vote where there's no record of your voting. It's just, you know, it's it, push and pray has been eliminated, a lot of it because of progressive, you know, guys like Bob Patrickus, Harvey Wasserman, said these machines are dangerous, they're vulnerable, and put an end to it. So that's a victory. But we have to be careful because now the right wing has picked up this theme that you can hack the software on voting machines. You can't. It doesn't happen. It, there's no evidence that it did happen. The machines may have been vulnerable before. Let's be careful because we're handing the right wing the bullets to shoot us with on these elections. So All is right. there vote You're listening. Uh, yes. Go ahead. Sorry. That's Greg Palast. You're listening to the Election Crimes Bulletin on Flashpoints on Pacifica Radio. I'm Dennis Bernstein. I do this with Greg every week. And, Greg, uh, I want to get to uh, some news coming out of Atlanta and Georgia uh, from the district attorney there, Fanny T. Willis. We've been watching that case very closely. What's up there? There, there, uh, Fanny T. Willis has a problem. Who's that? Yes, uh, the Fanny T. Willis has a problem uh, with the attorney for uh, the potential defendants uh, in the case against Rudy Giuliani, the chairman of the Republican Party, and the 10 fake electors. We've talked about this. There are 10 people who sent messages to Mike Pence, the vice president, to the National Archives, saying that they had won the election to be electors to choose the president of the United States, and they'd won election to the Electoral College. Well, they didn't win the election, their elections to the Electoral College because they never even ran. I want to repeat that. They didn't run. Trump had a slate of electors, and 10 of those electors refused to say that Trump won. So this is not about these electors claiming we really won, Trump really won Georgia. They literally threw their names on a piece of paper. This is screaming in your face, mail fraud, interference in elections. This is like a series of serious federal crimes, and it was organized by Rudy Giuliani. It was organized by the chairman of the Republican Party, uh, who, is, who are now facing potential indictment. There is a second grand jury, which has just been impaneled. And what they did was they, Fannie Willis, does not want to take, you know, some guy who runs a, a, a seed store, you know, in Athens, Georgia, and send that guy to jail for 20 years. So what she did was she offered all 10 of these electors, knowing that they've been manipulated by Giuliani and the state party and Trump. They were told, John, there's no problem. Just put your name on this. Say that you won, you know. So she offered them immunity. They don't have to stand trial or they don't, uh, you know, they can uh, probably get out and be up to a judge. They can get out of um, out of jail time or even possibly even out of a conviction, a felony conviction. So that's a good deal for these electors. But the state Republican Party, their lawyers did not pass on the information of the offer that you're off the hook because they're the same lawyers that represent the state Republican Party and the state chairman who is facing some real 
uh, is, is facing some uh, serious hard time. So can you imagine you're being offered a get-out-of-jail-free pass, and your own lawyer doesn't tell you. So Fannie Willis said, this is, this is an outrage. They can't repre- you know, these lawyers cannot represent those 10 people. Now, I would imagine that the lawyers that did that might also end up like Giuliani, like Sidney Powell, disbarred. I mean, it is such a serious thing to do. It, it's basically you are sending 10 of your own clients probably to prison to protect your big shot guys who are paying the bills. This is, wow. this is another crime on top of a crime. Very serious. It's amazing. And, and Willis is going to talk about it. Yeah. And is she going to be able to sustain this prosecution? And how do you see, you know, I mean, these things falling into line or not, obviously, you've got the Washington prosecution, you've got the Mar-a-Lago documents. Um, Where do you see this now, Greg? How do you see this unfolding? Do you have any ideas on this? Well, if I think that if Willis understood that if the 10 electors, if any of the 10, all she needs is one of them to flip and say, yeah, you know, Rudy Giuliani called me and said, put your name on this, no problem. And they say, well, but I didn't run for elector. And he said, don't worry about it. Something like that. I don't know what those calls were. That's the point. She wants those people to testify. If they testify, I think it'll be pretty impossible for some of those folks to avoid, like Giuliani, to avoid prison time or some of the state party leadership of the Georgia Republican Party. Now, the question that a lot of people ask is, what about Trump? Did Trump personally call any of these electors? Because he seemed to be deeply involved, you know, like he called the Secretary of State, et cetera. It's very unusual. He's president of the United States, but he's, you know, he's um, a, a bit unusual, as, as we've discovered. If one of them says, you know, I got a call from the – I wasn't going to sign this thing, but I got a call from the president of the United States. Well, I think you're going to see in that case Trump will be taken in chains. I would have no doubt. If he was smart and just let Giuliani or others do it, they'll be in chains. Whether they will then turn on him and say, well, I wouldn't have done this except the president asked me to make these calls. So we don't know. That's why this, that's why what the Republican Party paid lawyers did is so egregious. And, you know, itself, to me, prima facie, having worked in this area, looks like a felony crime in itself. All right, we've got my favorite sidebar. <clears throat> Just enough time. It looks like Ali Alexander has uh, made some news. Yes. We'll remind well, people who he is and what's going on with Ali. Yes, okay. Ali Alexander is the guy that is central to the January 6th riot. He was the co-host of Alex Jones' show. And uh, as you know, we've reported here before anyone did because we... On uh, flashpoints, talked about Ali Alexander calling for burning down the state house in Georgia a few yeah. days before he basically was a leader of the riot on January 6th at the Capitol. So first he was in the Capitol in Georgia, talking about overthrowing uh, the government. Said, "If you don't give us Trump, we will light this s on fire." That's the guy. Then he led the riot. Now he's just now um, he was removed from Twitter. That was he, he's turned state's evidence. We don't know what he's done in the federal trial, but apparently he 
turn, he's ratting out the, his buddies on the right. But um, in the in the midst of this, in in the midst of this, and he and his Twitter account—that's the worst thing of all. His Twitter account was canceled. But then, oh. when Elon Musk bought Twitter, he brought Ali Alexander back on. Well, Alexander got removed <laughs> <That's right>. uh, <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> yes. Well, Alexander got removed yesterday. Here's the punchline: He was asking teenage boys to send to send him pictures of their penises, and. Um, oh. Okay. So that's uh, uh, not only icky, but it's a federal crime. <laughs> Disgusting. And this is the leadership of the uh, of the uh, cutting edge Republican future. This is he is the founder Alexander. of he's the founder of Stop the Steal. This you know Stop the much steal. praised and a friend, a personal friend of, and much praised by um, Donald Trump, and. Um, uh amazingly using his platform to go after uh, teenage boys. I mean, I won't even repeat some of the phrases. It's just too Thank you. vile. Please don't. Really. <laughs> yeah. That's Greg Palast. We do this thing called the Election Crimes Bulletin. We usually do it every week. It's full of great information because Greg is on the cutting edge of fighting for your vote and watching where all of this is happening. So, Greg? Thank you once again. You can check all uh, uh, Greg's work out at gregpalace.com, gregpalace.com. He's got lots of stuff and a documentary, Vigilantes, which is still extremely relevant. We're out of time, Greg. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Adios. <laughs>